You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, welcome to Utabia. It's been a couple of weeks, David Hartrick. It has. A busy couple of weeks. We've had the closure of the transfer window. We've had a trip yeah. to Fulham. Um, we should probably start with the transfer window, the surprise return of Jonas Lerzel to the club. Yeah, which, as surprised as it was, it makes complete sense, doesn't it? Yeah. And I, I think his, his wife and family are still in the area and very settled and very happy, so... I'm not surprised he jumped at the chance to, to come back. He's not playing any football. There's Not only is Jordan Pickford their number one, Martin Stecklenberg is also at Everton yeah. um, and a very, very good keeper. Um, so, yeah, it was a difficult route back to the first team. So, yeah, the, it, it may not have been the most obvious thing straight away, but the more you thought about it, you thought, yeah, it made a lot of sense. And it's... I've often talked about the signing that gets the fans fizzy <laughs> and I think it would be fair to say judging by the reaction on social media that Phil pulled off the one thing he, he hadn't done up until this point which is yeah, a signing that got the fans excited and talking and worth saying it, uh, like if Grabara hadn't been injured I know they wouldn't have signed him yeah. but you would still take Lossel over Grabara I think yeah. every day of the week yeah I mean we've got the Merseyside Derby as competition for, uh, for the goalkeeper mm. place now you're a bit of a soothsayer Dave because you had said to me several mm. times that you fancied that Phil might go out and make that kind mm. of statement signing on deadline day and you also <laughs> about three minutes before we got word that Lerzel yeah. was on his way back had dropped us a message saying, I wonder if Lerzel might like come back. Yeah. I I think the the summer transfer window was difficult for yeah. lots of reasons. You know, we talked about it on other podcasts. I don't think it was a disaster, but they didn't get anyone to get anybody excited. They didn't get a, a name, if you like. And I yeah. just felt that Phil wanted to get some sort of nuts and bolts in place first. But then I think uh, you've got to remember that Phil Hodgkinson is a fan as well as a chairman. Yeah. So he will have been looking to get something to get him excited as well. And it just felt like they they wanted to do something. I, I mean, we know a couple of the names they were linked with that we can't talk about because nothing happened. It just felt, yeah, that possibly there was something in the wind. And... Grubauer's injury, I mean, it's a horrible word to use, but Grubauer's injury gave them the excuse yeah. to go and, you know, do something like yeah, that. Yeah, it kind of got lost. Obviously, we've had the whole game since we last did a, a podcast as well. Thankfully, three points there on the road, really good three points that they, they thoroughly deserved. Um, but it did kind of got get lost in amongst the fact that Grubauer got that head injury and obviously we all yeah. wish him well. But he, he was kind of at fault for the whole goal. Um, a corner, another corner. He's been a bit suspect on crosses all season. And it was yeah. another corner that just kind of flew in all the way to the the far post. I've had a little bit of grief for criticising him in the past. 
And I would guess now Lursel's back at the club that we're allowed to criticise him because there's a better not option. I, it's not it's not criticism, it's more a reflection of his age and a goalkeeper. Yeah. 20's no age for a keeper no. at all. A goalkeeper, the, the only thing that improves a goalkeeper is playing football more than any other position on the pitch. And he was slightly reluctant on crosses and I don't think his command of his area was great in general no I mean you look at that that punch he came and did against against Stoke for instance partly because of those in front of him for a massive chunk of the season I just don't think he had any faith in the defence ahead of him you know and it may be different now Stearman was in there and is part of that team but yeah I I think my biggest issue with Grabara was I do not think his distribution was great there were so many times I've watched Danny Cowley going mad on the touchline because he's held onto it rather than bowling it straight out, or he's attempted the Pickford, which is that lovely half volley off the you know side, side of your foot yeah. that pings forty yards out to a winger and it's just gone straight out for a throw in or straight to a defender's head. So Lursel is a very very good shot stopper. He has faults in his game. You know Lursel is is prone to the odd hiccup. Um, but his distribution's much better. He'll provide a much better platform for for town to spring forward. And yeah, it's if you can sign Jonas Lowe as a Championship club, you sign Jonas Lowe, don't you? Because he's yeah. a Premier League keeper. Yeah. So yeah, complete no-brainer. But Willock has sort of gone slightly under the radar. Yeah, I think just because he he came in slightly after Jonas Lurzel, so he was late at night. Obviously, those the fans were absolutely delighted to see Lurzel back. Um, but yeah, Chris Willett came after the 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 after the eleven o'clock deadline. Obviously, the paperwork was all done on time, as it was with Isaac and Benza. We've we've since discovered to go out the other way. Uh, a bit of a, an impatient wait over the weekend while the French FA kind of. Yeah, I think we should probably do a separate podcast to. Just say goodbye to a legend, really. Yeah. Envenza. Envenza's gone. Yeah. Well, we'll get some, uh, you know, we can get a framed picture and hold a bit of a service, can't we, at the next game? Yeah. I imagine they'll have someone out before yeah. doing a little speech. Legends out this window, it's what, Moy one, Envenza second, or mm-hmm. you think? Yeah, I think. Ooh, I mean, it's neck and neck. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, Willock is the winger that they wanted. We yeah. weren't quite sure whether they might get that winger because Danny Cowley was was I think trying to set the expectation in his press conference the day before deadline day that they might not be able to because of the finances because they had to go and get the goalkeeper that they might not have enough money left in the pot to go and get the winger as well we also didn't get a name on Willock I think because he was coming from Benfica and so obviously there was no there's no one at the other end of that transaction yeah. that was reporting it, basically. I, I don't think the um, the other thing was. I think Adoma was probably number one target. Yeah, I, I believe he was. was on the list, but I think Adoma was number one target. Yeah, he went to Cardiff. He'd gone to Cardiff. I'm not his biggest fan, but I think there's a player there that Town could probably have utilised. But it, it, there'll be lots of people who don't really know a lot about Chris Willock. I think the first thing is that you've got to understand he's not got a game for West Brom this season because they've got Pereira on the right and he's uh, I mean I'd go further than Premier League player he's arguably he's a Champions League player um, and he's been in some games for West Brom this season he's just been incredible <laughs> like outstanding so I wouldn't read too much into that 
He's more, if you talk about a modern front three or the three behind a one, the, the sort of wide players, their game is usually split into thirds. So they're a third a striker, a third a winger, and a third an attacking midfielder. Mm-hmm. And he more leans towards the sort of winger type. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is good. That's what you yeah. you said on, on that other podcast that there is. Yeah. That you felt they need town needed someone who was going to yeah. get get a bit of white on their boots and yeah he's he's a very he's a very modern footballer in a very modern position um, he will do a lot of taking a man on and looking to cut inside um, but yeah his <laughs> his crossing's not brilliant mm-hmm. I will state that as a caveat but he's a young player um, he'll learn I wouldn't have thought he'll be taking dead balls put it that way but. I think he's a very interesting player, particularly to have coming from the bench as a game changer. Potentially, he's. You look at Town's bench now, and you think Willock, one of Campbell or Mounier, King slash Pritchard before the end of the season. You know, you could argue maybe Chalabar is going to be on there as well. Suddenly, Town's bench looks game changing, yeah. and the ability to bring on a Willock who will pull defenders wide, who will pin a fullback back potentially. Uh, is uh, something that I don't want to sound too harsh on him, but he does things that Kachunga can't. Yeah, <laughs> and that's not to say Kachunga's a bad footballer, but Willock is a much different type of player. Yeah. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect much of a defensive shift out of Willock. Put it that way. Yeah, that you would get out of Kachunga. Do you think we'll probably expect to see him more from the bench to begin with? Then, yeah, I would. I mean, he's not played Championship football. Yeah, so. It's very difficult to just go right. You're starting in a game against a big burly fullback who's going to kick you up in the air. He's a small, quick, tricky player. But I, I suspect Town might not see the very best of him. But I think he, he'll be quite an astute signing. I think he'll put it this way. I think he'll contribute before the end of the season. And I think arguably he will contribute more in an attacking sense than Kachunga will, who is, you know great as a middle distance runner but as an out and out attacking winger maybe not so much yeah you mentioned Steve Mounier there mm. scored in both of those games that we've we've sort of missed in the interim scored against Hull got the winner late in injury time I say late in injury time it was actually less than halfway through yeah. injury time despite being the sixth minute thanks for that Grabara stoppage and he got the second goal Against Fulham as well. Yeah, that's five goals in eight games. He's in really good form at the moment. I mean, very yeah. difficult for Cowley to to drop him. You would think. Mm. Those, those two goals. The, the reason we didn't do a podcast last week is because we wanted to wait until after the transfer window because a lot of what we were going to say was going to be redundant very very quickly. Yeah. So we we we're only really touching on the Hull game because it's last week's chip paper wrapper at this yeah. point. But both his goals are very, very, very Steve Mooney goals. <laughs> you know, a, a good, a good header, um, and then a sort of scrambled tap in. I think there was a combined distance of about five yards across yeah. the two goals. Yeah, but that's that's what you want from him. That's yeah. the whole point. The, it's like the Cowleys have always said with Mooney. It's not that they didn't want him there, but the way they were trying to play, he just doesn't suit that way. He's now played his way into position where other players have to play for him because he's I mean I won't go as far as to say he's undroppable but 5-8 and eight yeah. is, is you know proper form in the championship so you certainly couldn't 
not pick him, I think, as things stand. And yeah, you do have to play a certain way, and yeah, he doesn't do the high-pressing thing, and yeah, he may have a 20-minute spell in the game where he's he, you know, he couldn't trap a bag of sand, as they say. But if he keeps scoring, that's all you want him for. Yeah, exactly. And that's all he's going to do. I mean, Danny Cowley always says, goal-scoring target men. Mm. You know, they, they, they don't grow on trees these days. There's not too no. many of them. And yeah, I mean, it's good to see him kind of getting back to his best because he I mean even if he well I say his best at least scoring goals again yeah. regularly because that sort of first half of that first Premier League season you know he he did look at a good player and then mm. you know he himself would be the first to admit that the last 18 months have been very difficult for him yeah um both in terms of when he has played and and then yeah sort of this season his limited opportunities but Fair play to him. He's you know he's taken the chance mm. that he was given with those substitute performances and made himself a starter. We, we speak to people down at the ground. We know people within the club as well. And the one thing everybody's been at great pains to tell us is that his attitude's been brilliant. Yeah. And there are others there whose attitude has perhaps hasn't been brilliant, mm. who are no longer at the club anymore. Um, and I think that's gone a long way with with Danny Cowley. You know, Danny Cowley is a manager who would rather have. 11 average footballers who want to run through walls for him then 11 really good footballers who you know play when they feel like it and I think Steve Mounier is not a Premier League striker no you know let's not try and dress it up but he's becoming more and more of an effective weapon in the championship longer term I don't know if he's the striker that the Cowleys want but no. for for the right now yeah fine yeah, as long as he's scoring. Yeah. As you say, you keep picking him, don't you? Yeah. I mean, Fraser Campbell, we've talked before about, but I think he, as you've alluded to, offers a lot more off the ball in yeah. particular. Um, and on the ball, he's more of a a good sort of link-up player. And I think when they were playing the 4-3-3 earlier in the season, you had to have Campbell in that 4-3-3 yeah. because he was sort of dropping deep and allowing Grant to sort of come into more of a central position and letting players sort of play around him, letting Bakuna bomb on past him. Yeah. Particularly when Diakabi was on the, in the side as well, yeah. playing on the right, he would he would Who? get into the box. Yeah, uh, it's at Forest now, I believe. Never heard of him. Yeah, uh, and but I think now that they're they've sort of changed the formation, even Mounier's form aside, there's probably less need to have Campbell doing more of that sort of dropping deep yeah. and doing that link up work because you've got Emil Smith Rowe playing at number ten now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, we'll go into spe- some specifics on the Fulham game, but Town are changing the way they're playing and attacking a bit, and I think there's still games where you play for H. Campbell when you want to press the defenders higher mm-hmm. and try them, pin them back a bit. But when you play a 4-2-3-1, you can have other players do that for you. So you can have Steve Mounier not chasing down full-backs and you know, harrying central defenders, you can have him drop five yards off because you can have one of your wingers either side doing that mm. job for you. But I, my thing with Campbell really is like, stats don't lie. And although, although Cowell has said, you know, Cowley has said that the non-scoring striker is the sort of modern way, you know, you're Bobby Firmino at mm. Liverpool, but Firmino still scores. Yeah. And Campbell's got, I think it's two goals in 19 appearances I think overall. It's something along those lines, yeah. It's, so if it's not that, it's very similar. I haven't written it down. Um, Mounier's five and eight. Yeah. Uh, the, the, that doesn't lie. But the, I think the other big problem with Campbell is he can do that job and chase and high press. 
but he's he's played ninety minutes once. Yeah, and I know he's at a point in his career where he's uh, he's older. He's still got his pace, but he's not got his legs, so he can't do ninety minutes doing that job. And it it's, it takes the substitute option out of it completely when you know you're going to have to sub for Asia Campbell because he can't do that for 90 minutes mm. so you haven't got three subs in effect you've got two yeah um, and it's just I know it doesn't sound a lot but that does limit your options and as I said there are absolutely games that Campbell starts yeah. and does that role for absolutely but there are others which I I just don't think he does now they've got Smithrow potentially Willock right or Bakuna right they've got Grant there Suddenly, Campbell doesn't feel like number one pick, and for a while he did. Yeah, and without any Undisputed. competition. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas it, it just goes to show you, you know, months a long time in football, isn't it? It really is. Yeah. We should probably talk about the Fulham game then. Uh, I went down to, to Craven Cottage. You went there. You were at Leicester, weren't you? Leicester I was at Leicester Chelsea, but I have seen the game. Yeah. Um, so, it was a strange game, a very odd game. All of the first five shots on target for both teams went in. Yeah. Um, Fulham didn't have a single shot on target after their third goal. Yep. Fulham were 3-0 up after 31 minutes, and it was then 3-2 after 39. And from there on, there was only one team that looked like scoring, and it wasn't Fulham. Yeah. I mean, before we go on to town, the, like the first thing is Fulham keep the ball really, really well, but... Three sloppy goals. Yeah. Three. I mean, the first one, everybody first stood one off and gave Reed, you know, the opportunity to do what he wanted. And Stearman, all... who's been so good when he came in, like showed him exactly where Reed wanted to go. Yeah. It was an odd. It was an odd decision that I. It, thought. it was three sort of slightly strange decisions, but it, it all came from Bakuna. I mean, mm. Danny Cowley pointed at it after the game. To be fair going into a tackle that he just didn't need to yeah. make he could have just stood off and as Gally put it just wait for the cavalry to get back mm. and they could have just defended the cross but yeah. instead he goes into a tackle he doesn't need to make Reed gets past him yeah um Chalibur is looking at Tom Kearney over his other shoulder so he has a chance to to go and close him down but he's sort of caught in two minds yeah. and by the time he's decided Reed's gone inside and Chalibur's out of the picture and then as you say Stearman it's just a very simple Stanley Matthews I'm going this way no I'm going that way yeah and Stearman was completely it, sold by I, it and I think the thing we've been all been caught out by Stearman's been so good that we forget he has got a bit of ring rust because he's not played mm. a lot of football um, and that's the first time I've watched it and thought yeah that's yeah. that's the decision of a man who who hasn't played you know three games in a week for a month mm. For a long time in his career, so it, it was a bit. It was a horror show. The first sort of twenty-five minutes. Yeah, it, it really was, was. I mean, at one point, I think it was after the first goal, Fulham had had eighty-two percent possession. Yeah, which tells you everything you need to know, really. Bear in mind, I think they'd had eighty-two percent possession, and most of Town's possession had come from goal kicks or throw-ins. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was grim. But what was impressive was they got a what I thought was a very fortunate goal for 3-1 yeah the three kick sort of I'd love I'd love to think Schindler knew exactly what he was doing but he, I think he was just trying to get a toe on the ball and just steer it into an area I don't yeah. think he spotted Smith throws run then a really bad 
first touch from Smith Rowe, you know. Yeah. I, it was really poor, way too 12 heavy. yard, yeah. Yeah, um, but then he managed to get there thanks to a combination of, you know, defender allowing him and keeper not being particularly sharp. I, th- I think the defender who put in the tackle actually put the ball, put onto, the ball his foot. onto his foot. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then from that goal, that that was the turnaround. That was the that was the moment. And it's funny with this town team because we've talked about them starting slow before, haven't we? Yeah. They, I don't know what it is. Particularly away from home, I think. Yeah. I mean, the stats earlier this season, I, someone messaged me to to say that I think sort of late December, mid December. And I looked at it and I looked at the stats. It's like actually they haven't conceded that many early mm. on. They're, they're better than most championship teams, and it's late on that, that that they've struggled. But that seems to have really been reversed recently. Yeah, and I think late on was like early for the season. I mean, yeah. me and you for two months were just yeah. tearing our hair out because every time there was <laughs> last like, fifteen minutes, yeah, be a goal. last twenty yeah. fifteen minutes, it wasn't just that they concede; they were they were just out on their out on their bums. Um, <laughs> But yeah, since Cowley's been there, there's only really been the Leeds game where they've got up for it and gone from it from the first minute. Yeah. And it's almost like they've got to wake up a bit. It's it's a weird it's a weird trait. But then they get back into that game and they they you know, they they were there really was only one side in it. The second goal was completely deserved and was a move they were looking for all afternoon, which was Smith Rowe down that channel to try and knock it back across. Mounier with an outstanding finish. <laughs> yeah, literally fell over himself. The Chikorita Hernandez school of finishing there. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. All his job is there. Yeah, yeah. Just get it over the line. Yeah. So it, like, genuinely, it doesn't matter. And then they town came up against keeper who was like, I mean, he was just outstanding, wasn't he? Yeah, there was what that hit from Grant, that volley. Yeah. Um, I thought the better save was the one where Grant cut inside mm. and played it low into the corner because... Grant has everything right there, yeah. absolutely everything right there. Grant had a good game actually. He did. It was yeah. another one of those where he did everything except score. I think the the thing about that chance was you can't do any more than that, which is is cut inside, hit it hard and low into the corner. And even the, the goalkeeper's starting position wasn't great, but he he just had one of them games. Yeah. You know, he was like you pointed out on Twitter. He was in that Championship team of the week for a reason. Yeah, because he really was. I mean, the fan well, Fulham fans are saying, "Oh, he's the." He's the next Mark Schwarzer. He's the goalkeeper we've been looking for for, you know, since they first went down from the Premier League. So, um, yeah, they're they're delighted with that showing. I mean, I was skimming through not the top twenty earlier, and uh, George Ellick from that podcast was at the game as well, and he he said he thought um, Fulham were really lucky actually, and Town were very unfortunate not I, to get anything out yeah. of it. And I don't think you can disagree with that. No, I mean there was about four minutes of highlights on Quest. Yeah. And you could tell just from that, you know, when you actually watched the game, when you saw, uh, you know, Town were really good at holding on to the ball second half. Yeah. And they were, there were lots of sort of 15 plus pass combinations that may not have ended up in really good chances or, or goals, but that's a team who feel like they're on top. That's a team who are trying to be progressive. It was as though it was a, they'd freaky Friday at each other, the teams. Yeah. Like they just yeah. swapped after half an hour and, and suddenly Huddersfield were playing like like Fulham had been doing and vice versa. It yeah. Was, uh, yeah, it was it was frustrating not to get a point, but Danny Cowley wasn't too downbeat afterwards because he said, yeah. to be fair, he said we, on the whole, didn't defend badly. We had some mm. bad one-on-ones, but on the whole, we were just, it was just yeah. one of those games where everything went in. And he said that he thought that this was one of their better performances on the ball 
Yeah. And if they can marry that to the performance they had off the ball against Brentford, yeah. Then, yeah. Then they've that, got it. That's a game where, when you do the video analysis, you toss out the first thirty-two minutes. Yeah. You don't even bother watching it and just concentrate on all the things you did really, really well. I think what was quite interesting about this game is that I've talked on this podcast before about one of the things I wanted to do is a bit of a statistical deep dive on town and pick out one or two trends and different types of things that potentially are not obvious. And it's been really difficult to do with town because, like as we've talked about, all their problems are very, very visible to the naked eye, aren't they, Steve? Yeah. Um, so it's it's difficult to sort of sit here and say... You know, well, you can see from this they're trying to do this, but there were one or two trends and one or two things that were worth picking out from that game actually um, that I would hope to see going forward. And I think first thing is Emil Smith Rowe, isn't it? Yeah, he was outstanding. He was the voted as the Championship Player of the Week. Uh, I think little, those polls are a little bit strange because it's basically which club has the biggest Twitter following yes, uh, those polls a lot of the time um, you know there's a lad who played for Brentford who scored a hat-trick and didn't, mm. was also in that poll uh, and, and didn't get it but nonetheless he totally deserved that you know he was the man of the match for sure Yeah, um, got the goal got the assist but he was at the middle of everything I mean mm. I think Town apart from the goals had eight other shots on target and he played the, the final ball for four of them uh, yeah well three of them three of them was three it plus, them, the, yeah. plus, the, plus the assist for the goal he um, to put some stats on it 25 attempted passes and 23 successful that's a 92% success rate that is decent <laughs> for that for that sample size you know it's that is good and that role you would expect more Passes going astray, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. And he took 23 passes himself, which means that he's constantly available, but also that Town are looking for him. 12 passes in the attacking third, of which 10 were successful, which is brilliant because yeah. that's where you play your risk passes. Yeah. That's where you're looking to, you know, to get, get behind, to be frank. And he gets his assist, absolutely deserved his assist. You know, as I said, created three more chances. Just, just really, really good. But you know, also five attempted take-ons, three successful. Yeah. That is a, a confident man who is going on two ball recoveries, which is great from a number ten. Because often a number ten's game is to sit and receive rather than actually try and win anything. Yeah, back. I mean that that was a criticism we had of him after the Brentford game, wasn't it? Was yeah, he was standing off a lot and yeah, seemed to sort of be waiting to to mm. to grow into the game. And three passes inside the penalty area, which seems like very, very small but it's actually not because most players in the penalty area the first instinct is to shoot a goal so that's a player who is looking to bring other people into it and yeah you know it was it was terrific and if you take Emil Smith-Rowe's game you need to think about how he's affected the rest of the team mm-hmm. so you look at someone like Lewis O'Brien who uh, you know plays a, a phenomenal amount of, of passes and is involved in everything basically yeah. 17 passes forward against Fulham 16 yeah. of them successful that's high yeah. for a midfielder who is ostensibly a defensive midfielder shall we say yeah. um, and he the, the way he would the way he was playing the square balls weren't there as much 
mm-hmm. know, I think you play. I think five five square balls in the game, and Town midfielders have been a nightmare this season <laughs> for going side to side. Yeah. So that's that's quite big as well. But the other thing is, I think what was what was also worth pointing out is the the pass combinations because pass combinations are weird because you always. Your central defenders always get the highest pass combination because of the goal kick out to one who passes it to the other, mm-hmm. who then either passes it back to them or goes long with it. But with Town, they were looking for Bakuna a lot. So the the top pass combination was Stearman to Bakuna, which is no surprise really because Bakuna was playing as a wing back. You know, he yeah. was really playing high up the pitch and he was, I mean, it was a very Janino Bakuna performance in that he <laughs> really was trying was. everything. Yeah. Everything. Now it came off for the for the goal, you know, the the run he had where mm-hmm. he won the ball out wide, then brilliant bit of footwork. Yeah. Then in typical Bakuna fashion, <laughs> tempted a pass, didn't come off, but ball landed back at his feet, successful the mm-hmm. second time, which yeah. is a very Janino Bakuna <laughs> thing. Um but yeah, you know, Stearman to Bakuna was the, the top one. Toffolo to Schindler is it was the town's second one, but that's sort of understandable. Again, that goes back to the goal kicks and then Stearman to Schindler. But O'Brien to Toffolo was level with Stearman to Schindler and Toffolo to Schindler, and that is O'Brien looking for that overlap. Yeah. That is Toffolo pushing on. Eleven passes. Yeah. That is that is a sign of progression. Then you've got Bakuna to Chalabar, that's Bakuna bombing on and playing it inside, looking for the overlap and the one two. Their partnership the against back. Hull in particular, less so against Fulham, but against Hull, Chalabar and and Bakuna combined really well because yeah. you had um Bakuna coming inside as the inverted fullback and Chalabar was going as the false false fullback. Yeah, um, and basically taking his role and going up that right hand side, which is interesting that that happened because in the press conference the week before that Fulham game, Danny Cowley, when we asked about Trevor Chalaber, highlighted false fullbacks, yeah, false fullback role as one of his strengths. Mm. So it's interesting that that he we then saw that. Yeah. immediately against, against they, I think what all those stats are in uh, sort of indicate is that town are trying to be more progressive mm. so the thing is Definitely. I know uh, I know fans have been annoyed at the way they've played at home at times but they have to understand that with the squad they've had and the injuries and mm. the opponents they faced there's been no other way to play it's been completely out of necessity yeah now they were forced into this position by being 3-0 down, but when they were forced in that position and they started to be more progressive, so as I said, you've got Toffolo and Bakuna both willing to overlap and showing themselves. Yeah, you press space by going to tactics, move yeah. the slider up to attacking. That's exactly Click what confirm. you do, yeah. yeah. Um, and then, but, you know, with O'Brien clearly receiving the ball, turning around and looking forward, it's positive signs, encouraging signs. Not every side are as good as Fulham. At yeah. home, <laughs> yeah, you know there are sides where you won't have to do any more than they did for that hour, and you'll win three 0 in yeah. the championship. And I, th- I think with Mounier now providing an actual goal threat, with Willock offering an option off the bench that's quite exciting, with Bakuna affected, it was it was interesting watching the game how how Bakuna played as a right back because mm. Kachunga naturally just drops into that right back position, so. It's interesting that they don't just go out and say, right, we're going to play Bakuna on the right, yeah. higher up the pitch. It's almost like he needs the the defensive tag to make him realise he's got to come back and do a bit. 
but yeah, I, there are a lot of interesting signs, and I, you know, I hope it continues because we know it hasn't been entertaining at times, and statistically, there's just there's just not been anything interesting there. But you know, combing through the game on Saturday, it was the first time you could see. Hang on a sec, there's a couple of different things here. Mm. There are there are some indicators and. Look at that squad. I mean, you you said jokingly off air as we were coming in. You you look now and you think they've got eighteen really good players. I wasn't there. joking. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. They've got eighteen really good players there, and I think you're right. And I think I, like it sounds so simple, but yeah. that just makes such a massive difference. Yeah, you know this this window has been an unqualified success for Huddersfield Town. Yeah, and yeah, I I just I can't see. It. I, they may have a couple of dodgy games just as. Players settle in and they get they refine the system a little bit and players get comfortable. But I can't see anything but progress by the end of the season, really, from here. Yeah, I quite agree. I mean, we, we've moved towards, as Kelly said after the game, he's talked a lot about this isn't the way we want to play. We've got an identity. We want. To, he said from day one, we want to play four two three one, yeah. um, and they're finally able to to do that now. And hopefully. Now that they're in that mode, they can actually start putting together the way that that Danny wants to play, and that will turn out to be the right way to play for this set of players. You say it's been an unqualified success in the the transfer window. Um, I would agree that in terms of the signings they've made, it's been fantastic, and they've got the players out they wanted to get out. The only qualification I'd say is that they're now only three points away from the relegation zone after we can beat Leeds. How much of a cause for concern is that? I I think if you look at Town's fixtures coming up, I think they've got some quite winnable games. I, I, and, you know, Wigan may have beaten Leeds, but they won't. We, I've done Wigan twice this season, and they're doomed. <laughs> they're doomed. They're, Anyone they're, can beat Leeds at the moment. Yeah. They're, they're, not, they're not a good side. I think... I think the relegation places, I mean, they're far from decided, but I think they're pretty much set. I I would be staggered if Town don't... Over February and March, I would be staggered if Town don't pick up a minimum of sort of 12 points. Wow, yeah. And I would argue that those 12 points will... I mean, it won't see them safe, but I would imagine that will see them a couple of places higher up, and I think they'll, you know, they'll be absolutely fine. I think, put it to put it another way, I think by the end of March... Fine. Yeah. No. No real issue. I'm. You know. They won't be flirting with the playoffs. But that's such a tight league that I think you know three wins in five games can move you four positions. Mm. Um, and a lot of those teams at the bottom have. I was looking at the fixtures. They've still got to play each other. And you know every, every point lost in every one of those games, if Town draw, that's a point. Effect. Well, effectively two points gained. Yeah. So yeah, I. I don't. I don't really see any issues and the players they've got out now as well I think it's worth mentioning that we we don't want to go into specifics but Cowley has now got a group of players he's happy with there's no yeah. bad influence in there mm-hmm. it's I don't want to say it's a blank slate but it certainly feels like something different Yeah, and I would imagine that going into training now for Danny Cowley and Nicky Cowley is very different to going into training four weeks ago Yeah, and only in a positive way yeah I mean Danny's talked about the fact just having more players regardless of the quality just having that increased competition massively helps I mean there was an interesting comment he made he said when they brought those young players back into the team he said 
you know, sometimes you need players just to make up the numbers for the drills. Yeah. But if the younger players aren't up to speed with those drills, they won't do them properly. And then the senior players get frustrated because yeah. they're not getting the most out of out of the training. But that works two ways as yeah, well because exactly. the younger players also get frustrated with the older players yeah. who they feel they're better than, but they can't, you know, the older players are... It's steel sharpened steel, isn't it? Mm. Uh, which is why they went and got... Richard Stearman from Sheffield United. Behave. <laughs> so one thing that we're going to be running in the paper, I say in the paper, on the website as well, on Wednesday, is we're going to look at who we think Town's best 11 would be. Uh, you've got yours there, Dave. Mm. Um, can you talk... So maybe we should go through it position by position and we'll each say... Yeah, we've got. So. Oh, we, we're agreed a four-two-three-one, aren't we? I think we've both got four-two-three-one. Yeah, mine is a lopsided four-two-three-one, as we'll <laughs> go into, but it is nominally a four-two-three-one. I've seen it. You've right-clicked the players and dragged them, haven't you? I like to be thorough. Yeah. Um, so let's go through position by position then. Goalkeeper, Lerzel. Yeah, easy. I, we don't really need to say anything Done. more about that. Right back. I've gone Simpson. Yeah. But that's only because I'm playing Bakuna higher up. I think if Bakuna has another maybe two games like he had against Fulham as a right back, I think that position's his because he offers more going forward. But that is the first time he's properly done that because often as a full back, defensively, you look and go. Yeah, mm. he was decent against Hull as well, as I say, to be fair. I think he was probably better against Hull than he was against Fulham, actually. I would, where I would worry about Bakuna at right back is when he comes up against a good yeah, winger. Yeah. Or, As he did against Fulham, yeah. yeah um, I mean, that Bobby Reid moment, that first goal. Mm. Yeah, it, there's two sides to him because he got an assist and, uh, sorry, he got two pre assists, basically, playing yeah. from right back um, against Fulham. But he also, <laughs> he was responsible for one and a half goals yeah. at each end, basically. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I also have got Simpson. Just, but I. This is where the lopsided thing comes. I've got Simpson, but with the caveat that he sits a lot deeper. Because yeah. we'll talk about the left back in a minute. Yeah. To so centre back, I assume we've both got Stearman and Schindler. Yeah, Schindler left, Stearman right. Yeah, correct. Toffolo, I imagine yeah. for left back. But the difference between Toffolo and Simpson is I've got Toffolo basically having that whole left flank to himself. Yeah. Rather than. Have it, you know, Simpson having Bakuna up front doing the attacking work for them, sitting deeper. I think we've already seen that Toffolo, Grant wants to tuck inside anyway. Mm-hmm. Fine, yeah. just just give Toffolo that whole left side, and he seems perfectly capable at the minute. So fine. Yeah. So we've uh, we've agreed on all five positions so far. Yeah. Who have you got in central midfield? Uh, I've got as my again. This is where the slightly lopsided thing coming back because I've got Hog playing on the right okay. but when I say on the right he's basically working that channel right across the back mm-hmm. four um, and what's important with Toffolo going up the left flank is that when he goes you need cover and either Hogg drops into that left hand side or my other midfielder might but with having Simpson deeper you can shuffle over 10 yards and play as a three when you need to on the counter so mm-hmm. yeah I think Hogg is important in that system when you do have one defender who is nominally an attacker really I think this is probably the position where I've struggled the most is picking between as that right sided pivot is picking between Chalibur and Hogg Mm. 
Um, because Chalobah has looked a lot better in the 4-2-3-1. We've, I don't want to bang on about him again because we talked about him a yeah. lot. But he has looked a lot better and started to win a few people over at least. But I just think if you were playing the playoff final tomorrow and everyone was fit, you would pick Jonathan Hogg. Yeah, and I think we're going to briefly mention the bench as well. I think Chalobah's absolutely worth his place on the bench. Yeah. And it makes it an incredibly strong bench it to have really Bar on there as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I I think you have to pick Hogg. I'm not even, as people who listen to this podcast know, I'm not even Hogg's biggest fan, but I think what he does with that back four is just vital. Yeah. So, your left-sided centre midfielder, Lewis O'Brien? Yeah, it has to be. I mean, it's a bit like Schindler. It's not even worth... No. I mean, surely that's who you've gone for. Yeah, yeah. Player of the year. Yeah. With it. And particularly now with this new, if they carry on this trend from the Fulham game, where the job is, the O'Brien's oh, job is to win the ball or take the ball from Hogg and just look forward. Yeah. So yeah, it's tapping in there. Yeah, that one. And another tapping at number ten, I presume. Yeah, Smith Rowe. Smith Rowe has yeah, to be easy. I mean, Pritchard, we hope will come back before the end of the season. But yeah. So this is, I think we hadn't talked about Pritchard last time. We hadn't had that injury update, mm. but. For those who might have missed it, he has had a scan on his knee, which has revealed that his knee is absolutely fine. Mm. Basically, the, the the issue was was that he's had this cyst for a long time. Mm. He's, it was apparently revealed on his medical when he joined the club in the first place. But it's recently started, earlier this season, started giving him jip and causing him pain. And basically, Pritchard himself was worried that he might be doing further damage to his knee. They've now given him that peace of mind with this scan that no you're not doing any further damage your knee is fine you're just going you can play but you're just going to have to play through the pain mm. and Danny Cowley says he's well he's happy to do that he's going to grit his teeth and crack on basically yeah i i think the problem for Pritchard is that Smithrow is obviously full of adrenaline and excitement at the moment yeah he's got quite a bit of work to get back into that starting lineup and when he does <laughs> you know town have evolved and he's going to have to learn that quite quickly yeah so, again, we'll get onto the bench, but if you have Pritchard on there as well, yeah. suddenly it looks like a proper match day squad. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't think that's up for debate at the moment. It no. has to be Smith Rowe. Yeah. Right wing? I've gone Bakuna. Oh, again, interesting. Again, the lopsided thing, he starts from deeper. Mm. Um, I think with Simpson not offering an awful amount going forward, I think you need a player who's progressive and happy to carry the ball. And if there's one thing we know about Chiquinho, <laughs> he is exactly that. I think his dead ball delivery is, is getting better as well. Oh, yeah, so good. Um, so I, I think he has to be in there. And I think, you know, you look at the options right side. Kachunga, we've mentioned earlier in the podcast, I think you need a little bit more attacking-wise now. And Willock, I think, is just... We don't know enough about him just to say, this right, that's best 11, he's in there. I, I think place on the bench but yeah it's Bakuna for me I suspect if and when we open this out to a fan poll they're going to pick Willock mm. but just because he's he's something different I mean people voted for Trump for exactly that reason <laughs> <laughs> no um, but yeah I think for by the same logic I'm going to stick with Kachunga on my right wing I think um, I think it's definitely a place that Willock can win mm. but I think just for the again, if you were playing the playoff final tomorrow, you'd, you'd stick with with catcher, left wing. I assume 
Yeah, I've gone with Grant, but again, this is where the modelling doesn't really work because I've got him, obviously, a lot higher up than Bakuna and and basically the the whole point of giving that Toffolo that whole flank is because you want Grant to be three-quarters of a striker, really. And I think it's quite interesting that he plays a lot closer to Mounier than he does to Campbell and that's not just because Mounier is a lot slower and makes less runs. I think that's because he realises... It's it's where your instinct kicks in. He realises that the ball tends to, you know, he is a bit of a magnet for the ball because he's a big, yeah, he's a big lad, Mounier. And there are lots of ways to to get it to him. There are lots of ways to play with, you know, and get Steve Mounier on the ball. So, so yeah. So this four two three one is almost arguably like a four two two one on the left yeah. and then a striker. So yeah, Grant. I assume you, you're not going yeah, to... No, I'm not going to drop Carlin Grant. Um, and I assume, I'm inferring from what you just said, that you've got Steve Mounier up front in that case then. Yeah, I think you have to. Yeah, same. But, the, uh, what we discussed earlier, isn't it? Any striker at any level of the game, if they've got five goals in eight games, as long as that's not four goals in one game and then one other. <laughs> yeah. You know, if, you, if you've got a striker who's, who's scored in five separate games of the last eight, shall we say, to yeah. but I think you... Yeah, like you can't leave him yeah. out but then bench wise who have you got on the bench running through it yeah so Coleman yeah I've got Grabara because we don't know what's going to happen yeah of course yeah we're assuming everyone's fully fit yes of course yeah. Grabara if it's if it's everyone fully yeah. fit um, and then I've got my uh, first I've got two defenders which I've got Stankovic and Brown yeah same and then my sort of midfield central midfield option Chalabar, yeah, and I umdenard there about King, but the problem again with King is he just he needs football, doesn't yeah. he? We can't. I mean, I can't give you a definitive opinion on King till I've so, seen him actually. Gen- yeah, he's had three late sub appearances, but yeah, th- you know, I mean, we've not even seen him play like half an hour yet. No, we? it's been sort of ten, twenty minutes. Yeah. Um, so then Chalabar, I've got Pritchard. Yeah. Which. I think is a reflection Rather of where he is, yeah. where he is right now. Yeah, and then I think from the last two, obviously Campbell and Willock. And Willock, yeah. The the one I am denied about is the one you've put in the first team, which is Kachunga. Yeah, but I I looked at it from the point of view of like Cowley in his press conferences on and off the record has talked continually about using his sub bench for game changes. Yeah. And well, I look at Chalabar, Pritchard, Willock, Campbell. That's four. Well, this this is where I think I differ from you. I've got Bakuna instead of Pritchard. Yeah, you see, I've got Bakuna starting. Yeah. yeah. So I, I I think it's. But what's what's nice and what's come from that is suddenly Town have competition. Yeah. When they've had no disrespect to them, but Harrod, Daly, Osterfield, etc., on the bench by necessity because they've had to have bodies to fill those roles mm. now we're sitting here saying it was tough to leave so and so out etc that shows you the, the instant change in health of the squad doesn't it yeah definitely so yeah I mean definitely read that piece we're going to have obviously Mel Boo's thoughts as well and Matt from takes that chance and hopefully Jim Chisholm as well will be providing their first 11 so even if you listen to this conversation which you have because otherwise you wouldn't be listening to me talking now <laughs> Then, then make sure you read that on Wednesday afternoon when it goes up. Do you have anything else to add, Dave, before we go away and do whatever it is we do when we're not in front of the microphone? 
just just be nice to each other. Ah, that's very sweet. <laughs> okay, let's land on that then, and we will see you next time on Utabia. Goodbye. Utabia, Utabia.